0: Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. That'd be me. I'm so looking forward to this time together with you, and I hope you're having a good day. And we've got a little break in the weather. It cooled off quite a bit, which is awfully welcome. And it's going to be a great hour. Guide Talk is going to be happening any minute now. So let me know what your questions are. You can send them in a text form to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. And I was reminded by a listener named Judy. She said, I really miss the Scripture verses by listeners, and I do too. Uh, We tried so hard to have that be something that would just be a kind of an easy no-brainer that we thought tons and tons of people would go, I'm going to call the voicemail and leave my, my special verse that I like. And I would certainly love to get that kind of going again. It would be really wonderful. We would start the hour with a Scripture verse read by a listener. And all you have to do is say... Uh, you call the number and you get into the voicemail, which is very easy. I've never done it myself, but I understand it's easy. And you just say, hi, this is a verse for Bill's show. And my name is uh, Jerry from uh, Albertville. And my <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> favorite verse is John 3.16. And here it is. And you read it. And then we play that at the very front of every hour. It would be
1: so fun. And maybe people didn't know that they could do that until now.
0: Yeah. So, again, let's get that started. Once again, 877-933-2484 is our number. And it'll give you a prompt and you'll say, I just want to get into the voicemail. And then you, when you get into the voicemail, you say, I've got uh, my verse for Bill's show. And then you just uh, recite it. And I think it gives you a chance to do it over if you don't like the way you said it. So there's, there's no risk involved.
1: Not at all. And you'll make us smile. You'll make Bill smile.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Which is what we all want to do. (laughs)
0: So we would love to do two an hour. That's what we always like to start the show with scripture. And we'd always prefer to have um, a listener read us their favorite verse than than me just reading a verse.
2: So call in with your verses.
0: It's more fun.
2: In any language.
0: Yeah, we've had it in multiple languages, haven't we?
2: We have. in Russian and Mandarin and Arabic. Yep. Love to hear it.
0: Swedish. (laughs) Remember yes. Swedish? How sweet the sound. How sweet the sound, yes, yes. But we're going to get a uh, talk started right now. We've got the power panel in place. Uh, we've got uh, pastors Tom Brock and Tom Parrish. We have uh, Dr. Peter Kapsner on the studio line and uh, agent and pastor Justin ah. Jepsen. <laughs> Do you have an agent on this show? Yeah, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> what do you mean he's an agent? I don't know. I just made it up. See, I could get you guys your <laughs> you own personal theme character. songs. You just have to tell me what it is. Okay. I mean Justin's got a, that sort of dark mysterious yeah. you know, yeah. he's got that look and oh. that yeah. and like is are you a secret agent? What are you? A mm-hmm. pastor or mm-hmm, what? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. You know, you yes. guys look like yes. pastors. He doesn't.
3: Because <laughs> we're are old you? enough. You he's young and good looking. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't say and that. He never actually shows up in studio. I mean, he's never actually in studio. So I, mm. there is that mystery about him. I, mm-hmm. he, you know, I, I think he's probably in Europe yep. at this point. Uh-huh.
2: Yep. I am. I'm shrouded in, in, in ambiguity. Yeah, like
0: <laughs> to keep you yep. <laughs> All right. Let's get started. Gentlemen, thanks for all being here. I've got a couple of questions from listeners that got sent in in advance, so let's let's start with those. Uh, I listened to Guy Talk and the comments regarding transgender and gay people and the ELCA really hit home to me. I've been an ELCA member for years, but I'm going to look for a new church that aligns more to my beliefs. Thanks again for your insight on this issue. I really didn't realize what was going on at the administrative level in the ELCA. I recently found out that a very close, young, 20-year-old relative of mine has decided she is a lesbian. This has been so troubling for me that I've lost sleep over this. I'm praying about it, but wanted to ask, what is your advice on how to proceed? I know if I come across as not accepting, I risk losing this relationship, which means so much to me.
1: Well, Tom's got his hand up. I'm a a person who has struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life. Gratefully, I led my congregation years ago out of the ELCA Liberal Lutheran Church. If you go to the website now of the ELCA.org, you'll see a glowing three-minute video by the head of the church, Bishop Elizabeth Eaton, thrilled to celebrate Gay Pride Month last Mm -hmm. month. And then the new york area uh, metropolitan new york area senate ELCA, on their website during gay pride month last month put up 41 i counted them 41 gay videos for people to watch one yeah. of which was drag queen story time for your children wow can you believe this this is the church but if i can get to the question though uh, as someone who has struggled with same sex attraction most of my life Romans one, First Corinthians six says that if you continue in that behavior and not repent, you're not going to heaven. So, so I I get this. In fact, I just did a TV show today, and the question was, should I go to my lesbian niece's wedding? And I said no. And and. And I I was at a good Presbyterian church and the pastor I got up and said, well, I'm going to go to my lesbian niece's wedding to show her love. I almost tackled him in between services. And I said, Pastor, I struggle with same-sex attraction. You're not showing love by showing up at that wedding. You're affirming what she's doing. And I said, humbly, lovingly, tell her that you can't come because you don't want to promote a behavior which will hurt her eternally. I hope he changed his message between services, but... I don't think you should go to those things. It doesn't help them, and it's not being loving. And if you're humble and loving and telling them why you're not coming, nobody can fault you, even if they get madder than a hornet.
0: Hmm.
4: What it comes down to is that if you want to look at the Bible, Jesus made an interesting statement that most people are forgetting today. He said, unless you love me more than mother, father, sister, or brother, you're not worthy of me. Mm-hmm. I see what we're doing today in Christianity, and I'm going to be as graphic as I can, but appropriate. We are spitting in the face of Jesus. We look at the Word, and we don't like it. It doesn't fit our culture. It doesn't fit political correctness. doesn't fit my son or daughter. So, therefore, I change what the Word says, or I skirt around. I say, well, Jesus didn't actually say that. Folks, if you want to know what the Bible actually says, it declares that Jesus is the author of what we know as the Bible from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. He is the one that revealed and wrote the whole thing when you get down to it. So you can't skip around that, but many people do. And the tragedy is, the one who gets hurt is the person caught up in the lifestyle, because, Tom, you and I have seen the outcome of many of these lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And the other one who gets hurt is truly Jesus, because he loves us. And yet we're rejecting him and saying, "Uh uh-uh, Jesus, your word isn't enough. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yep.
3: And you, you know, Jackson, could... you want to take a whack Yeah.
2: Well, one of the things that's coming to my mind, and, and I'm, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm agreeing and also questioning just what's been shared, and, and more of a question even back to, to Tom, it's like, one of the things that I've wrestled with is if I, if I say on one hand, um, I will not go to a relative of mine who. Is gay, and I will not participate in their wedding because that is my expression of loving Jesus more and not condoning or celebrating their behavior that's detrimental to their eternal destiny. Um, what it also, what I also then need to uh, just to be consistent to apply that 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 frame of that line of thinking. Would you would I not then also choose to refrain from participating in? Um, a marriage of, of a friend or family member that, let's say, was they were living together before they chose to, to tie the knot, and they were engaging in premarital sex, um, because that's also sexual immorality that's outside of God's kingdom, and sexual immorality is also mentioned in that list in 1 Corinthians 6, as well as drunkenness. You know, what if somebody is an alcoholic and I'm not going to participate in your wedding because you're, you're drinking alcohol and you're going to get drunk on your wedding day, so therefore I'm not going to go. So for me, the question is, I'm just trying to, how do we consistently apply that across the board? And, and, and is there, rather than it being an either-or, is there is there a way to still participate? Is there a way to still engage while not compromising our biblical convictions and still displaying both grace and truth to our, you know, our loved ones but, but Justin, that are choosing
1: to. The... If if you go to a fornicating couple's wedding, you're not affirming their fornication. You're affirming their wedding. And if you go to a gay wedding, it's not a wedding in God's sight. I mean, I, I have a my mm-hmm. I have t- I have a dear Christian couple who was invited to the lesbian niece's wedding. These people are wonderful, humble people, as lovingly as they could. They uh, told the family, look, uh, this is not something I think God wants for you. So we love you, but we're not coming. They got so mad they won't talk Mm -hmm. to them anymore. And I said to this couple, you know, I know you guys, and I know you did it lovingly. You did nothing wrong. Your family hates you now, and they're angry and bitter, but you didn't do anything wrong. So I think there are, I mean, uh, it's just, it's hard. I know it's hard, and it would grieve me, Mm -hmm. too, if this landed in my lap, but we got to Put there, you know, we we don't help people by condoning their sin in any way that hurts them. And when people say that I'm being unloving by not going to the wedding, no, I'm being loving. You're the one that's hurting people.
3: So, I, yeah, I mean, whew, th- this is such a tough one. And so, before I even respond at all with the disclaimer that I could be 100% wrong, right, on, on any of this. Um, uh, so, that disclaimer in mind, I taking it out of the situation of the same-sex marriage or somebody uh, like the listener wrote in, like, how do you handle it when a loved one comes to you and says that uh, they're coming out of the closet or whatever language they might use. But taking it out of that situation, I remember when I was with uh, a mentor pastor of mine when I was growing up and we were just talking about evangelism and talking about sharing the faith and, and uh, when is it that the time is right to share with somebody the gospel? And he said, you know, if you're not careful, if you don't have the wisdom of timing, um, you might actually create a spiritual abortion uh, as opposed to a spiritual birth. And what he meant by that is that there can be this idea or this principle where a person lives by principles and says, you know, every single person can and should and must hear the gospel. I, I think we would all acknowledge that. But in saying that it is, it is a question. Do you then to everybody that you ever see at every moment and every time without any discernment, just say the gospel and, and his, uh, Premise was that no, there's the wisdom of discernment when the window is open and the timing is right and God's spirit is moving and it's now time for you to be a vessel or an ambassador of reconciliation. That if you had done it three days previous, it it would have maybe landed completely flat. If you waited three days, it would have uh, been far too late. And 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 I think there's something to be said, at least to wonder about those sorts of things. And I'm just now wondering uh, out loud is. Uh, can we play the long game in some of these relationships? Because uh, while you don't want to obviously affirm the situation, is it possible that this is just one page in a person's story? And if you come crashing into that page at that time and space, you do end, you end up doing more harm than good, as opposed to what Tom's—you guys both just said— we're starting to see now the results of people that have been living in different kinds of sexually deviant lifestyles, and it isn't going well. And uh, and uh, when, when the prodigal son started walking away from home, I, his father could have said 10,000 things to him, including, you're an idiot, you're a dork, you're outside of God's word, you should not be doing that and all of that. But he didn't. He he had to let his son get a full taste of the error of his ways, and his, and his son ended up in the sty of pigs. And, and there's that it's starting to happen a bit. And I know Russell Moore, a theologian, is saying that we're, we're coming to a time where there's going to be a sexual refugee crisis uh, as people have walked out these decisions for a number of years. And maybe then is the time to share um, what is an actual hopeful and reconstructive form of sexuality. So I'm just going to throw into the mix that it's possible, I think, to play the long game Uh, and that you use some discernment about when it's time to say things to people, as opposed to just saying, Hey, here's the truth. You you just got to deal with it right now. My responsibility is just to share the truth. I would just hesitate to say, yes, my responsibility is to share the truth but without the wisdom of timing and without the discernment of the spirit that maybe we might uh, create more havoc than good. And, and so I say all that with the full disclaimer that I could be entirely wrong, but I, but I think there's something to chew on with some of that as well. And I, I, After
4: I, the break, I'm happy to talk to that issue.
3: Okay, <laughs> and
0: we do have to take a okay. break. Never mind. <laughs> let, let me know what questions you have. You can send a text to eight seven seven We'll be right back with Guy Talk. Glad to have the power panel here. We've got pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, Pastor Justin Jepson, and Dr. Peter Kapsner. Is the power panel today, and just the comment that got started uh, about the uh, difficulty with the relative with the 20-year-old lesbian, she also followed up with an email to me. She said, I think what was revealed to me is that I don't have God first, at least in this relationship. It is so very, very difficult for me to think of not having this relationship it has given me a lot to pray about so i appreciate the insight that is such a tender tender Mm -hmm. heart Mm -hmm. it's good oh my it's good
1: and you know i've got a very close friend last week he informed me that his son is gay and and dad is now him is invited to the wedding and and he's going because he doesn't want to um, hurt the relationship with his son and i and I said, "Yeah, but you're hurting him by affirming this." And I said, "Does your son know what you believe about this?" And he said, "Well, I, I think he suspects." And he said, "Someday I'll probably have to have a talk with him and his partner." And I said, "Wouldn't it be better to have that talk before the wedding than after it?" And and what I kind of like this caller, um, he loves his son, and I understand all those feelings. But ultimately, let's have some feelings about where people are going to spend eternity. And and that kind of love for people.
4: I think, Peter, what you had said earlier, I do agree. Timing is critically important. And I always want the mind of Jesus to know when to step into a situation. I think for most people, timing is not the problem. It's they don't know what to say. Or they're terrified to say something that's going to hurt somebody and uh, push them away. Hmm. Here's the problem I see going on in Christianity. We've had such a pushback from the culture and from members in the church that people don't even want us to preach about these topics anymore. They don't want Sunday school classes on these anymore. They would prefer to have a Thomas Jefferson Bible where we cross these verses out of the Bible because they're uncomfortable. And I was always, I've always thought, okay, if, if I was Peter in the New Testament, if I was Paul in the New Testament, if I was John, how would I respond today to these situations? What do you think they would say? And I have a sneaky suspicion that they'd be pretty blunt. And I'm not saying we need to be blunt. I'm saying when we we wait for the Lord's timing and ask appropriate questions, then what we need to do is speak the truth in love. And I find the problem is most Christians don't speak the truth in love because mm-hmm. they feeling. don't get around to the truth. They they just yeah, It's I love my cousin so much. I love it's my nephew. Feelings. And I love them too. Yeah. But there's more to it than that.
1: And so I was I was in Florida speaking at a church sharing my struggle with same-sex attraction in front of this audience and So I shared my struggle, that I have struggled with same-sex attraction. And then question time. One woman puts up her hand, but my grandson's a homosexual and starts crying. And somebody else, yeah, but my son's a homosexual. And I'm sitting there thinking... I don't mean to be mean, but so what? Just because your grandson has this issue doesn't make it right. And, and you know, I, I'm thinking, Grandma, could you develop a little bit of a Christian backbone and lovingly, humbly tell your grandson not to go down that road? I was being interviewed by a secular disc jockey on my struggle with same-sex attraction. And he said, you know, Tom, you have these urges. Why don't you just go with them? And I said, I'd be dead. You know, I... A lot of people that would be my age died in the 1980s and 90s of AIDS. And I said to him, I'm glad I didn't go with this. I'd be dead. And and AIDS is not as bad as it was, but it's still there. And uh, according to a certain doctor, there's a lot of sexual diseases in the homosexual community. Grandma, talk to your grandson about that if you don't want to talk to him about eternity. You know, But let's get a little bit of a
4: backbone. I've had a lot of these yeah. late phone calls from gay men over the years because I, I preach I try to preach very biblical. I try to preach very Christ-centered. And they'll often call and say, I think you will tell me the truth, and I think we'll talk about this. And so I listen to what they have to say, and I've done this off and on for years with uh, these men and some women, but predominantly with the men. And here's what I found out from the men. Most of these men that I've talked to, have multiple partners, even if they're in a committed relationship, Mm -hmm. because it is more of a compulsion than it is what we understand as a biblical love. And my heart goes out to these. And I had one friend who died of AIDS, and he had been in the gay lifestyle 20 years. And he said, Tom, have the guts to tell the truth, because I lied to everybody for years. But he said, I would have as many as five partners a night. And he said that was not atypical of most of the gay men I was around. So I think that there is there is a surface view of what this is, and we want to make it acceptable. But there's another ground view that nobody wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. And that's the one Jesus is really seeing mm-hmm. and pushing some people to really step in and do something.
3: Because yep. these yeah, people no, are dying. I see, and if I, yeah, if I can just kind of jump in, I just want to make sure that it's clear that uh, I completely agree that it's a complete disaster in the church right now. What has been taught from a sexual standpoint and what is being affirmed from a sexual standpoint, there isn't. You won't get any quibbling with me on that. I, I see how the scriptures are being twisted and bent to um, to affirm what somebody already believes, and, and we do that in a number of ways. It's not just in sexuality, but clearly there have been churches that have either twisted the scriptures or have uh, completely gone away or strayed from the authority of scriptures, and so. I agree with you guys 100 percent on that. I also agree with you guys 100 percent on the idea that um, and I'm not at all suggesting that you should just say, hey, just run with it. I'm going to play the long game with you or any kind of affirmation at all. I think the the, the flip side of this and, and maybe I'm sensitive because I work with so many young people where the the conversation among the 20s-somethings uh, and those people that come into my classes, is they're completely and 100% turned off by the church uh, so often. Um, they're, they're done with the institutional church. And when I ask them why, they they usually give me two reasons. One is the divisions and power plays that happen within churches. But the second thing is is um, how there there isn't much space for somebody to sort of figure things out in life and for somebody to come along and provide some wisdom and some help. They're just sort of uh, yelled at, while then behind the scenes, the the church might have a lot of sexual immorality itself. And so uh, I, I think there, there's still something to attend to in this, which does have to do with discerning the times and discerning the situation, not at all embracing, not at all suggesting that uh, the churches that are embracing are okay. I think mm-hmm. that's an entirely separate issue. Mm-hmm. I think the issue that the, the listener has, insofar as I understand it, is not whether churches are teaching uh, rubbish theology or whether people are bending Scripture. Their issue is, what do I do? And a, and a lot of people have this issue. What do I do when a loved one comes to me? And, and how do I handle that? Uh-huh. And, and I don't think that uh, a one tool fits all in every situation. I have a, a very, very close friend of mine whose son is gay and or has is saying that he's gay and, uh, and has been walking that out for the past probably five or six years. And I'm watching him continue to... to carefully walk out this journey with his son where his son knows where he stands on it. Um, but, uh, I'm watching their relationship becoming reconciled and I'm watching his son starting to come back to his, uh, to his father. And, uh, and they're starting to have some con- conversations about that and that that's compelling to me. I just think, um, the, the last piece that I'd say, I know we've got to head to break again in just a second, is that when, when Jesus says, don't condemn, or there's no condemnation, like that kind of idea, when mm-hmm. he says, don't judge, I mean, he's saying, don't ever come at somebody with a message of condemnation, meaning that there is no hope and no future for you at all. You are who you are, and I'm casting you out of this deal. and so when Jesus says, don't judge, that's what he means. Sure. We're we're clearly supposed to judge in terms of discern what's right and wrong. But Jesus says, don't you dare ever indicate to somebody that they can't come back to my kingdom. Yeah. And I think we might unintentionally do that sometimes when we really hit people hard over the head with this stuff.
1: And, you know, Peter, mm-hmm. talking about people not going to church, especially young people, one more thought on this. Um, the... Uh, church of England recently their bishops voted in favor of having a transgender renaming service for a seven year old even and for anybody that wants to transition. Now the Church of England is behind that. And do you know what the percentage of, of believers are that go to church at the Church of England? 1.4%. It's
0: oh, pretty low. Yeah. 1.4. We'll be right back with more Guide Talk. Let me know what your questions are. You can send me a text. If you have a question, comment, or question 877-933-2484. back to Guide Talk. So glad you are sending me questions. This is great. I love it. Here's a question from a listener. I was reading in Matthew, and I'm a little confused about how to pray. It says something about not babbling and adding a bunch of extra words. In general, sometimes I wonder about prayer at all, because God already has a plan and already knows what's in my heart. I recently had a health scare and wasn't quite sure what I should ask God. If your panel could just Talk about prayer in general. It might be helpful. Thank you. Hmm.
2: I think that's um, that's such a great question. And if I could, Bill, just just real briefly before I, I address that, there's there's so much to unpack there, and we could obviously spend a, a whole show or a series of shows on any one of these questions, but. Just back to the listener who is you know struggling with what to do with uh, with a friend and a loved one coming to them and 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 confessing that they're that they're lesbian or even the 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 idea of being invited to a gay wedding um rather than just even a list of like here's what you should say or what you should do um is it does require that wisdom and discernment and i believe that that this listener will continue in prayer <laughs> to seek after the lord and uh and just be abundance of wisdom that comes that comes from a multitude of counselors that they're going to be led in the right decision but even just the just at the very basic level word of encouragement that if they're the kind of friend and the kind of person that is being asked or being invited in or being even invited to a wedding they're doing something right you know at at, at a very basic level and in other words they're at least in a position to continue the conversation and i think Sometimes the best advice at least to begin isn't say well what should i say when a friend says i'm gay i think the best thing to maybe say is not to make a statement but to ask further questions and and to ask mm-hmm. them how how did you tell me how you arrived at this how how did this become revealed to you and then what you know thank you for the courage of sharing that with me because that's really mm-hmm. that took a lot of risk you know and I think I think that type of conversation plays in both an opportunity to be able to have an open window to share the truth with grace but then also to continue in the long game like like Peter was talking about so um, not to rehash and reopen that but just a word of encouragement for that listener that's yeah. I think I believe at least to a basic level they're doing something right and God is putting that listener in a position. To, to both
0: proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. Yeah. So, that's why yeah. we call um, it a panel. Yes. Different um, differing opinions or differing takes on how we look at stuff. That's right. right. That's now, right. I mean, but yeah, yeah, regarding, of course. I mean, we're, no one is bending on God's word no. on this panel. No. But different no. approaches, no. I think, are going to be different, mm-hmm. right? Yep. They are. That's right. I,
4: I that's have, right. Uh, in my years where I've had people come to me and say, my nephew or cousin or whatever is going to have a gay marriage, should I go? My first question to them is, what is Jesus saying to you? And I, I wait to hear what they've actually got to say. And in all that time, uh-huh. I've yeah. had so many of them say, I think he wants me to polite, be polite but not be there. I said, then yeah. follow Jesus. I had one pastor who uh-huh. came to me, evangelical, Bible-believing, he and his wife, and they said, our son is gay, I'm going to get married, what should we do? And so I started, what is Jesus saying to you? And he said... As strange as this sounds, I fully disagree with this. I don't want my son to do this. But in my case, I think I should be there as a witness. And I said, well, how would you witness for Jesus? And he went through a whole litany of things he had thought through about how to talk to the people at the wedding and how to affirm that, yes, he loves his son, but he doesn't believe this is Jesus' will. And in that particular case, I said, go. And he went. And he talked to people. And it shook some people up at the wedding. Mm -hmm. He was very polite and very kind, but it was very powerful. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, back to your prayer question, yeah. Bill. The lady is talking about Matthew where Jesus says, when you pray, don't you know pile up meaningless phrases and mm-hmm. like the Gentiles do. And yeah. And I think we need to put that verse next to the verse where Paul says, pray without ceasing. So I am to always pray, always be praying on and off in my head, but not to pile up meaningless phrases. Okay. So I, I think when we pray the Lord's Prayer, just don't zip through that. Take it slow, mean it when you pray it, um, mm. and, and uh, other prayers that I won't... Uh, some people pray the same prayer over and over and over and over, and it's like, let's get this over with. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way I was mm-hmm. as a kid. I not God bless Mommy, Daddy, and our Father in Heaven, God now lay me down to sleep. Oh. And then when I got mm-hmm. into junior high, I started really praying. And and so I just think uh, the meaningless phrases you can, we can do without, but Paul still mm-hmm. says, pray constantly.
4: You know, and maybe I can add to that, Tom. Now, you're single,
1: and you've been single
4: all your life. Yes, sir. And I'm married many years. When I look at the scriptures, like Ephesians 5, it talks about the fact that Jesus is the groom and his church is the bride. I think about how have I talked to my wife for all these years? Well, I don't go to my wife with meaningless repetitions. I don't go to my wife shouting that I want something. That's not going to get me anywhere. I learned that a long time ago. What it is is I need to talk to her in a loving relationship. And the problem is we have not taught Christianity as understanding this is a relationship with the living God revealed in Jesus Christ who wants a relationship with us. Now, does that mean I get every answer I want from the Lord? No. But it does mean when I take my questions to the Lord or my concerns to the Lord and I talk to him as a bride and a groom would talk and with love and listening and whatever else, oftentimes he leads me to a new topic. He gives me a new insight. Mm-hmm. He motivates me mm-hmm. to do something I've never done before. And that's why I encourage people so strongly to pray. It's not so much that you pray to get always healed, because we know some Christians don't get healed. I've buried a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I've had a lot of these people that didn't get healed who said, because I talked to the Lord rather than tell him what I wanted, I've learned things I never knew before, and I'm prepared to meet Jesus. And they died mm-hmm. in peace and to uh-huh. be there with them and watch that is a pretty neat thing.
1: Have you ever said to a doctor, mm-hmm. Doctor, I
4: bury your mistakes? Have you ever done that as you a know, pastor? No, I, I, I haven't done that. <laughs> but I, I did have a doctor send me a bell for an extra consultation, so when he asked me about counseling somebody, I sent him a bill too. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: Well, I, I also just wanted to, yeah, a couple comments about this question, uh, listeners' questions around prayer. I think it's really important to, you know, even at a basic level to define what we mean by prayer. So I think, you know, our, our definition really determines the direction that we're going to take it. And I think the the most biblical definition of prayer that I've heard anyone say that's biblical, but it's not directly found in the Bible, um, comes from an old evangelist named A.T. Pearson. And he said, um, uh, or no, Alvin Reed actually was his name. He said that prayer is intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes and you know what's really interesting when you look at you know the Matthew 6 account i mean jesus before he tells goes into the lord's prayer he says two different ways not to pray you know first don't pray when you pray don't be like the hypocrites mm-hmm. and uh, because he's con- he's condemning the wrong the wrong motive right they want to do it to be seen by others and mm-hmm. then he says the gentiles Don't just heap up these empty words and phrases. He's condemning the wrong method. But then Jesus brings right the 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 right motive and method together in this in the Lord's prayer. And what's what's interesting? I mean, I grew up in the tradition too that the Lord's prayer. I, I always growing up, I thought this is what I'm supposed to pray. This is what I'm supposed to say. And and again, there's power in that. I love. I actually love saying the Lord's prayer out loud. You can do it meaningful. You can do it with with sincerity but Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And that when he says, pray then like this, or you should pray like this, I mean, in the Greek, that's in the present, imper- present imperative. So he wasn't mm-hmm. just giving us an option to be considered. He's giving us a, a command to be obeyed. In other words, he's teaching us to pray like Jesus prayed. And I, I, I've often said, if you if you can pray like Jesus prayed, you can have the power to live like Jesus lived. And mm-hmm. um, there there's so much in the Lord's prayer, but I think really— the 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 it begins with an expression of intimacy. Our Father, right? In heaven, holy is your name. And so, I think um, that primary purpose of prayer is truly intimacy with the one with whom we are praying to. And and I and I love the Lord's prayer that it gives us this a very specific interpretation of how to pray, but it has limitless application. And um, I, I have found for this listener, without I mean, I could. I can move forward. I'm really particularly passionate about prayer, primarily because I have struggled with it, and uh, I, I actually don't like the word "prayer warrior." Um, I'm a prayer whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, just, I'm just a passionate practitioner. I don't think there's any. I mean, yes, we do. Prayer is is a is a weapon of warfare to, to engage in spiritual warfare, to be sure. But um, I, I'm only passionate um, because I because I've struggled so much with it, and the Lord's prayer. Um, one of the best models that I've seen how you can apply that um, comes from a ministry uh, called Strategic Renewal. And if this listener is listening right now, if you go to www.strategicrenewal.com, strategicrenewal.com, um, there's a just a beautiful explanation of the Lord's Prayer of it as being a scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer that moves you through four different rhythms of how to pray the Lord's Prayer by specifically applying this model over top any passage of scripture that you read so that it's transformed the way that I that I uh, pray by reading, uh, by the way that I read the Bible. So in other words, I like to pray, read the Bible, and uh, even having an open Bible reminds me. That prayer, um, the primary and the first primary word, Eugene, Eugene Peterson said, is God's word. Uh, so, and ultimately, prayer is answering speech. <laughs> it's it's not initiating speech. God's initiating the conversation, and we're responding. And so, um, so I, I would really encourage this listener to check out that ministry. Um, it's I've been greatly benefited and blessed by it. Um, but I think really ultimately prayer is what brings us into intimacy with God that leads the fulfillment of His purposes. He does have a plan and a purpose and a will, but in God's way and wisdom, he, it almost seems as if he, he will not fulfill his purposes apart from the prayers of His people, not because He needs us, but because He wants us. He wants an intimate relationship with us, and prayer makes that
0: possible. All right. Great answer, Justin. Thank you so much for that. Another question, gentlemen. This comes from my wingman, Terry. He said, if the subject of sin is disappearing from many pulpits, and it is, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I have one that is rarely, if ever referred to, would the power panel be willing to discuss the doctrine of divine discipline? Oh, there
4: will be divine discipline. Because the Lord is not put off by whether we accept him or do not accept him, whether we obey him or not obey him. He will always do what he knows is ultimately best to bring us to himself. Now, a lot of people will fight against that, and they'll fight right to their death. But other people will run into the difficulties and the discipline and the things that don't work out well and the chaos of their life, and they'll begin to ask the right questions. And they will turn to the Lord Jesus and really cry out to him. Those who do will get answers. But if you don't do that, you're not going to get there. Yep. So, yes, he does discipline, and I can, I'm can i a living example of that. He has literally, um, how shall I say it, um, smacked me around many times. And I mean in a good sense yeah. that he had to wake me up to how stupid I was, wake me up to how foolish I was, wake me up to how cowardly I may be. And sometimes it was a pretty painful process okay. that uh, we don't have five hours to talk about it.
1: Hebrews twelve says, "If you're truly a believer, he will discipline you." Of course, and we praise him for that because it's for our good. And if he doesn't discipline you and he's letting you go off on your own tangent, you're going to get hurt. Right. And so I, I just, uh, you know, I heard a, a prayer that I force myself to pray periodically is, "God, do whatever you have to to get me and my family and friends into heaven," and that will probably involve mm-hmm. discipline. I mean, I, I heard a pastor say. Any day that I'm above ground and not in hell is a good day. I mean, think of it that way. If I don't have God's discipline in my life, where will I
0: end up? What about Revelation 3.19? I, re, I rebuke and punish all whom I love. I rebuke and discipline all whom I yes. love. Be in earnest then and turn from your sins. Yes, and,
1: and like I, I, yeah. a, a line that I use, Lord, help me discipline myself so you don't have to. I like
0: that. Um, yeah, you
3: know. Yeah, really... no, and, and I, I go ahead. I think what I what I love about what you're saying too, Brock, is that uh, you know, I, there's a church that I know where the the vision statement is uh, professing or something like this, professing the all inclusive love of Jesus, and 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 with that, there gets to be this sort of notion that. Uh, that discipline is somehow the opposite of love. Mm-hmm. And uh, as mm-hmm. opposed to discipline Great being point. driven by love. I mean, it, it's a crazy passage in Hebrews 12. I just re- I recommend anybody yep. to read it from 7 through mm-hmm. 12. It does it, it even mm-hmm. says that if you're not disciplined, yes. then you're not legitimate true sons and daughters at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, and mm-hmm. it goes on to say that this is really for our mm-hmm. good that God it's because God loves us that He brings discipline in our lives mm-hmm. and uh and so that we are prevented from walking down pathways that that are going to bring harm to us and and so that discipline's important um and that i, I one of my favorite passages is nobody's life verse, I get it, but it says in <laughs> hebrews 12, uh, 12, 12, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees <laughs> and 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 this idea that <laughs> Um, you know, just raise your chin up towards it. And, and it's not a, a fun thing to ask for God's discipline, but if you're really interested in walking mm. in paths of freedom and hope and wholeness, it's one of the most profound p- prayers that you can pray is, God, search me and know me and reveal wrongdoing mm. in me and and do what it takes to root it out because I don't want to live in, in that harmful place. Mm. All right,
0: let me take a little break. We'll be right back with more Guide Talk. We have time for another question or two. Let me know what it is, Two four, eight four. back with guide talk thank you so much to the power panel that's here today pastors tom brock tom parish justin jepson and dr peter kapsner that's the team and thank you gentlemen all for being here it's been a, it's just a lively discussion we're having today thank you bill yeah uh, i want to go back and can a little bit to uh prayer i want to kind of re-ask part of the question that i don't know if god answered or not but the listener was saying if god already has a plan and knows it's in my heart yeah um why pray well, not why yeah. pray, but isn 't it thy will be done, so Lord, thy will be done mm-hmm.
3: I mean that 's just it right bill that's uh, that you caught that from the listener too that that I think is a conundrum for many people when they think about prayer is is when I pray, does it actually affect something within God that then affects yeah. something on behalf of others or myself and into the future and and the question really is, is do I have any agency to actually affect outcomes? And there's some evidence for that within the scripture. When you look at the story of Moses and yep. God uh, up on Mount Sinai, when when God says, I'm going to wipe out the Israelites. Yep. And Moses says, hang on just a second and uh, you won't be faithful to your promise. And God says, yes, you're right. And I won't do it. Or Isaiah comes into the throne room of Hezekiah and says, get your affairs in order, you're dead in a few days. And Hezekiah goes, oh, wait a second, I'm a pretty good king. And and uh, and Isaiah goes back and, and prays and comes back, oh yeah, you know, you got a few more years now. So these these stories are confusing, it's difficult, because at the same time, the scripture witnesses 100% that, that thy will be done, what what you're planning for. And it, Justin, you said something that caught my attention when you were talking about prayer, that God doesn't need us, but he does use us uh, to, to help bring forth his purposes and his plans. And there's a bit of mystery in there. I, I don't know anybody mm-hmm. that can come down fully dogmatically on one side or the other of this. We know we are to pray. We know it brings intimacy, but that can be, par- it, it's understandably paralyzing to say, but why bother, right? If God's already going to do it. And yet somehow that isn't fully the case. And we're invited into something that that is bigger than ourselves. After
4: having been married for many, many years, the one thing I've discovered is this. In the early years, I would tell Jan what I wanted to do or tell her she needed to do this or that around the house. That didn't go over very well. It took time for me to finally figure out what was going on. I would say now our relationship is much more that we consult and confer with one another. That is, when I go into my relationship with her, I I will tell her, I'd like to add this onto the house, or I'd like to do this or that. And she said, well, I was thinking about this over here. We don't spend enough time, in most cases, praying to the Lord apart from needs. We don't spend enough time to get to know the Lord in prayer and spend time just listening. I learned years ago to spend quite a bit of time, up to one to two hours a day, and I did this for a while, just listening. I didn't tell the Lord a thing. I just said, Lord, here I am. Speak to me as you see fit. And and the first couple of days were miserable. I'll just be honest. and Nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. But about the third, fourth day, suddenly Scripture started to come into my mind. Suddenly ideas started to come to mm-hmm. my mind. People came into my mind I hadn't thought about in a long time. And and it was as though the Lord was saying, I want you to call this person. And mm-hmm. you know when I did? They were in a mm-hmm. crisis. Mm-hmm. And it was the right timing. Where if I'm constantly going to the Lord, Lord, answer my prayer, Lord, do this or that. I'm not sure the Lord to speak loud enough through my head to get me to listen to what he's doing so I've learned I don't tell the lord anymore what to do
1: and you know another thought along mm-hmm. that is the lord not only predestines the end he predestines the means to the end what what I mean is this god only not, not only predestines who's going to be saved he predestines the means by which they are saved which is my prayers mm-hmm. so i have loved mm-hmm. ones that I have. Uh, does God know who's going to be saved and who isn't? Does He predestine these kind of things? Yes, but I I have to pray. I couldn't. I could never stop praying for my sister and for her salvation. Yeah. And it's not that God yeah. just predestines the end her salvation, he also predestines the means to the end, our prayers. So our prayers do work. Yeah. They they are vital. I don't understand either, Peter, how all that works. But when I'm mm-hmm. praying, I, I I can't not pray, and I think God is using those prayers to
4: accomplish his ends. Praise God. You're still praying mm-hmm. for your sister after all these years. Mm-hmm. How many people are out there that don't have anybody praying for them? Mm-hmm. Nobody's yeah. asking yeah. for their salvation.
0: Yeah, It's scary. Mm-hmm. Right, here's yeah. the... Oh, go ahead, Justin. Go ahead, Bill. No, please go. What?
2: I was just going to say, I think this is what's so powerful about the Lord's Prayer and how helpful and practical it is. You know, Jesus doesn't get to the request, you know, until after first looking upward, essentially, of praising God for who he is, looking downward, of responding and submitting to the Father's will, and then looking inward to our own needs and, and requests, you know, and I think. You know, I, I think if, for, if I'm honest with myself, I really don't know how to pray. What I should be praying about until I've worshipped well and surrendered fully. And so I think even just going through that simple, that those rhythms of, you know, this listener not knowing what to pray. I mean, join the club. That's 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 all of it. We can be encouraged. Like we don't we don't have to be worried about well, what should I say or what should I ask God if we focus first on who He is and simply coming into his presence with thanksgiving and praise for who, who he is and what he's already done. And then in the revelation, that, that response of, Lord, I really want your will to be done. And then really the request part of it is, Lord, what's my role in your will? What's, the, what's, what's your, you know, Tom's point of the ordaining the means, this mystery, this, this mystery that I actually get to be involved in, in the fulfillment um, of, of, of his purposes. And so I think that's, again, going back to the Lord's Prayer, it's so practical and, and so helpful.
0: All right, I've got a comment from a listener. as a comment and a question. I think praying comes down to belief and believing that God is real and hears us. Mm-hmm. That's Hebrews 11.6. Uh-huh. It also requires a lot of the Holy Spirit to know how much to dwell on a certain topic or not. Example, do uh-huh. I keep confessing sins to God, or do I move on and just thank Him? There's a lot we could think about with prayer. With that said, how do you pray simply and not overthink it? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Talk fast, we're running out. Of time. That's a deeper.
4: Que- that's a much deeper question yeah. than than I right off the top of my head. Because as a human being, I'm driven way too much by my emotions, mm-hmm. way too much by the circumstances. If I could be driven really by the Word of God and a living relationship with Jesus, I think my prayers would be much simpler. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm much more driven by how I feel about it rather than how the Lord feels about it. So that's a great topic, we could spend a whole hour just. Yeah. trying to divulge that. We'll come back to that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think real simply, I mean, a practice that's been helpful for me is to, that I've recently actually been getting back into is, is, is journaling and prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes that can be just a really good place to kind of dump thoughts. And, and, and honestly, you know, if I, I'm finding in myself, that I'm praying, oh, I'm overthinking it. Oh, I, I shouldn't be thinking about this. I shouldn't. Well, the Lord already knows my thoughts, so that a way of even directing our thoughts in conversation with the Lord is say, Lord, I'm overthinking this. Would you please help me <laughs> to focus and please yeah. help me to hear from you? And I think if I'm overthinking it, back to Tom's point he made earlier, I think that's also an invitation to stop trying to think of something to say or to even think and just try to listen.
0: All right, we've yeah. got only a couple minutes left. There's a clip that came off CNN the other night. I think uh, I'd like to play about 20 seconds of it.
3: Jesus Christ, if you believe in, if you if that's who you believe in, Jesus Christ, admittedly was not perfect when he was here on this earth.
0: That's enough. <laughs> oh, <yeah.
3: I laughs> yeah. And who yeah. was there? Don Lemon. Yeah. Don Lemon was, from CNN. Don Lemon, right, on yes. CNN? Yeah. And I heard a yeah. Methodist, yeah.
1: I heard a liberal Methodist pastor say the same thing. Jesus wasn't perfect. You can't relate to someone who's perfect. Well, there goes our atonement. Yeah. Then he had to die for his own sins and couldn't die for mine. Don, I love you, but you're absolutely wrong. <laughs> Repent.
0: Yeah, yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well said. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so we ended yeah. on a super high note. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my! Yeah, which you know, is always good. Um, just go, If I could just go back to prayer for just one second, too. I think it's something that um, you can actually, when people are kind of struggling and wrestling with it, and especially if they're a non-believer and they're they're wondering about this Jesus thing, and and I it can actually be a really profound evangelistic tool. I think at times where you say, you know what, uh, we're in relationship here. Um, I've shared with you the gospel. You're having a hard time with it. Why, why don't you just go pray for uh, a month? And yeah. and to your point, Justin, what you said, uh, journal and just kind of see what happens, what kind of thoughts start coming in, what do you begin to see, what do you notice, both externally and internally. And and you, you trust that person into Jesus's care for that month like that. It's, it's really interesting to see how God begins to intersect with their lives in some really powerful ways. So I think prayer can really be an evangelistic tool, too.
0: Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being part of the power thank panel you, today. Today. It's always Thanks, a pleasure. Bill.
3: And I uh, thank all of you, Pastors Tom
0: Brock and Tom Parrish, and Justin Jepsen and Dr. Peter Kapsner. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to wrap up this hour and we'll thank head into hour two. We've got Dr. Bob Moeller joining us for the full hour. It's going to be a wonderful hour. We'll take a short break and be right back.